Amen. That was really wonderful, uh, Ryan and the worship team. That was awesome. I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, like Ryan said, we miss you, and we'll be back together sooner than later, I do believe. Thank you, Lord. We pray for our government. Continue praying that the Lord will give the government wisdom on decisions they're having to make. Well, I wanted to talk to you this morning about, uh, I'm going to call this message, a holy disruption. Um, let me give you a little background on the message, because this message is a long time in developing. Uh, back in 2006, which seems like a long time ago, we had a, we in this church experienced an amazing move of God. It was just really powerful, and it went on very powerfully for like a we were on the top of the wave for like three years. And then in 2009, we had a, a tragedy in the church, which really just shook us to the core. And um, that began to, the move of God that we were experiencing began to ebb at that time. Uh, fortunately, it took th- basically three years for it to really kind of ebb all the way out. So we really, uh, even though we weren't really at the height of it, uh, from 2009 on, we were experiencing, you know, remarkable things, uh, healings and God just touching people. Um, but in 2012, uh, sort of, we sort of hit rock bottom uh, on a lot of levels. And <clears throat> through a lot of unfortunate situations and circumstances, we had to leave our building for a while unexpectedly. We had a problem in the building. And at that time, uh, God began to talk to me about uh, disruption. And, and so I began to really try to understand uh, when, when things, bad things happen, uh, lots of times we want to we blame God or blame somebody. That's kind of human nature. But, you know, God began to teach me at that time, and I, I say began to teach me. I'm still in the process of learning this, that... Many times when things come into our lives personally or like that came into our church at that time, when God disrupts things, it's because God wants to do something for us. Even though uh, there's terrible things happening in our world today and our lives have been completely disrupted from the norm, there's things that God still wants to do. And the plans that God, the words that God has given you have not been put aside they may feel delayed, they may, may feel disrupted, but they are, you know, the word of the Lord stands forever. And we're trusting that and believing that. And I can tell you that God's going to come through for you in remarkable ways. Well, the Lord led me to a psalm in the Bible back, uh, back in, in 212. It's Psalm 63. It's a psalm of David, and, the, and it caught me uh, at that time when I read the title it said, the title read, it was a psalm of David written when he was in the wilderness of Judah. In the wilderness of Judah. And that just sort of stuck out to me, the wilderness of Judah, because we think of Judah, isn't Judah in the promised land? Well, yes. Do you mean there's a, a, a wilderness in the promised land? There certainly is. Uh, even though that might kind of mess with our theology a little bit. It challenges our theology for sure, but there surely is wildernesses in, in the promised land. Uh, Jesus was in, went into a wilderness himself, and if we're going to really follow Christ, there's going to be times in our life 
that it seems like things are going like, like even with the experience that Jesus had. He had this amazing encounter at the River Jordan. He was baptized. Heaven was torn open. The Holy Spirit came down upon him and rested upon him. God the Father in heaven spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. It was just, it was an amazing time in his life. It was like he was being launched into his de destiny and into his purpose. But guess what happened next? It says the Holy Spirit drove him in. Literally, it says it drove him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by the devil. And that's just like, what? That was a, like one of the most ultimate disruptions of a plan, you know, looking at it from a human perspective that ever was. Well, David himself, uh, the background on this Psalm 63 is David, was the, he was established as the king. Uh, he was, it was an amazing time in his life. Everything was going great, he thought. Unknown to him, his son, Absalom, was working behind the scenes in a, a coup attempt and actually a, was successful in driving David abruptly. David had to leave like in a moment's time because Absalom had built up this whole, uh, you know, following of, and, and convinced some of the military. I mean, it was just a terrible situation. You could read all about that and... In the, in the book of Second Samuel, uh, David was uh, had to he had he had to just jump you know the clothes on his back and get out of town, least he was going to die. You know it's amazing sometimes when things happen. You look all through the Bible, you see uh, these great men. Uh, they didn't always hang around when trouble came. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they would face their trouble, but sometimes they would get out of town. <laughs> Many times Paul, Paul would not hang around. If he found out they were going to try to get him, he would get out. He would leave himself many times. Sometimes he stayed, and he suffered when he stayed. But he, it just goes to show us that, you know, when situations happen, there's no formula. The formula is the Lord himself. That that's where we have to seek answers from God. What's your response? What's your answers in these types of situations? Well, David felt that his answer in this type of situation was run for his life. And he literally ran from his, for his life and wound up in this wilderness in Judah. And this is how the psalm was written. Well, there's a, an interesting little phrase uh, called the key of David. It's in Isaiah 22, uh, 22, and also it shows up again in Revelation 3 on, on uh, Jesus' um, letter to the, or his his message to the church at Philadelphia. They talk about the key of David. And many there's many uh, different thoughts out there. What does that ap absolutely represent? I think ult the ultimate represented is this. The key of David is Jesus himself. He's, he's the key to everything, right? I think parts of that key has something to do with what David did when he found himself in the wilderness. And you see this all through his writings is he prayed and he praised. He prayed and he prays. You'll see that over and over and over. Well, that was the thing that God began to talk to me about back in 212. When I felt like I was at one of my lowest points, I felt like, my, I felt like we'd lost the church. There was a moment where I felt that the church was over. I felt like my ministry was over. Uh, and, and so I was at a very low point in my life had these amazing, difficult decisions, financial pressure, like unreal. I mean, it was just like terrible. And, and I felt God began to deal with me then about praising and praying out of, out of these very words, out of this psalm.
there's a, uh, I have, someone gave me a, a, a three-volume set, uh, Charles Spurgeon, called The Treasury of David, uh, written by Charles uh, Spurgeon, his commentaries on David's son. Just, just a, <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful three-volume set commentary. A little difficult to read because some of the language in it, but here's something that Spurgeon wrote about this particular psalm that really just spoke to me. He said, um, David did not leave off singing because he was in the wilderness. He didn't leave it off. Neither did he in slovenly idleness go on repeating psalms intended for another occasion. Rather, he carefully made his worship suitable to his circumstance and presented to his God a wilderness hymn, a wilderness hymn where he when he was in the wilderness. Uh, that phrase, David made his worship suitable to a circumstance. Back in those days, I so longed for the move of God that we had lost. I, I longed for it. I longed for, for the worship at the, uh, that we experienced. But, but I knew I couldn't go back there. I knew I had to find another expression of worship. I knew I had to find another expression of prayer. My prayers need to change. My prayers need to sit, fit the situation. Um, let me read uh, Acts 13.22 right quick, and then I'm going to go back to Psalm 63. But I wanted to really bring this point out about David. I think it's very important for us right now. It says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Isn't that beautiful? I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my, my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Everything. So that's, that's one of the, the New Testament's words on King David. So here, here's some thoughts about David in his, in his worship. Here's some thoughts about David in his prayers. Here's some thoughts about David. When, when life dictated change, David changed. David didn't try to hold on to what was. He didn't try to keep doing what he had always done. He found a way to adjust himself to whatever particular situation he was in. So he created these psalms, these songs, these prayers for the difficult place he found himself in. He didn't, when he was in the wilderness, he didn't act like he was in the peak of revival. He didn't fake it. He got real with God. He got true with God with the situation when he's in. He wasn't bitter. He did, he, it really wasn't a real complaint. He was just finding. When God said, David, I got new wine for you, what David did was he found a new wine skin. And that's what the body of Christ needs to be thinking. When we come into these places of holy disruptions, even though I will say, make it really clear, I don't believe God caused all this because God would never release a virus into the world. I believe this is demonic. I believe this is evil. But God has allowed the church to be disrupted. He's allowed our lives to be disrupted. And I would say it's a holy disruption if God's allowed it. And what we need to do is we need to get that heart like David and begin to cultivate a wineskin so we can contain the wine that God is going to pour out on the body of Christ and ultimately will pour out on the world through all this. I, you know, when the Bible says when Jesus went into the wilderness, when he went into his disruption, it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in Luke um, Luke 4 verse 1 it says he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit guess what it says when, in Luke 4 15 it says he came at, or 4 14 he came out of the wilderness 
full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you get what I'm telling you? He went in full of the Spirit of God. I've been a spirit, what I consider to be a spirit-filled Christian for 40-something years. But I don't think I have been a, a person who's been full of the power of God for 40-something years. This is my prayer for this time in my life. This is my main prayer. is Father, I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and power like rested on Jesus. Very dangerous prayer. I've been praying that prayer for, for a while, several months now, going back several months. And what I've realized, oh my Lord, I've gotten myself in trouble praying that prayer. And here's what the trouble is. If you want the anointing like Jesus had, if you want the power like Jesus had, you're going to have to follow the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus walked into the wilderness. He was disrupted. He, things, you know, he wasn't immediately launched into his ministry. He had to deal with the temptations. He had to deal with, with suffering in the wilderness. This could be a very time for the body of Christ. We, we could be, don't be fooled. We, we could come out of this thing different. I'm praying, Lord, let me come out different. Let me come out different, Lord. Let me come out with a new wine skin that you can feel. I'm just asking to do that. And I believe God wants to do that. I don't think he wants us to just, you know, once this is all over, just pick up where we were and just go on like business as usual. I just feel like it's not a time for that. I think God wants to do something really beautiful. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like, but I do believe that God wants to do that thing for us. So we need to really pay attention, I believe, to the times and the seasons we're in. I really feel like it's a time to discern that and begin to adjust ourselves to what God really wants to accomplish in us in this time because there's no wasted time in the kingdom. So I want to go back to Psalm 63 here and show you a few little things that have been helpful to me uh, over these few years. And honestly, I, I really never thought I'd have to come back to this. Uh, you know, I, I kind of meditated on it and thought on it and uh, back in 212. But then I kind of let it go, kind of forgot, went on, went on with life. You know, things did change for us as a church. And so I went on. But now I find myself coming back to this now. Uh, so verse 1, this is what David said, Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my... See, it's a declaration. It's a declaration. Oh God, you're my God. I earnestly search for you. See, this is what he was doing. I, I, wanna put your, I want you to put yourself in David's shoes for a moment. Uh, he had lost everything in his mind at that point. And the worst thing, the thing that, that God did, David, if you go back and read the whole story in, the, in, uh, in, in 2 Samuel, is it was his son who did it. It was somebody of his own house that he loved and cared about who betrayed him and did some terrible things, some terrible things to David, his father. And, you know, as a, as a dad, nothing hurts, hurts you worse than when, you're, when your child does something to you that really dishonors you. I think every, every dad, every mom, every parent knows that, that when a child dishonors a parent, it's really, it's really rough on a parent. It's really hard on a parent. I can only imagine that David was absolutely destroyed by this thing, not, not to mention that he was afraid because, because there were people looking for David. They were going to kill David. They were going to hunt him down and kill him. And these were, these were brutal guys. These were, were soldiers. These were people who were trained to kill and knew how to kill. And, and so he, his son, he had that. He had lost everything that God had given him at that moment. Think about it. He had lost his, he's lost his rulership. He had lost the thing that God had put in him that he had waited for years 
to come into. At that moment in David's mind, it's all gone. I've lost it all. And, I, and I've lost my son. And they're going to kill me if they find me. I mean, so he was at a very low point. What do we do when we're at those low points? Lots of people get angry with God. Lots of people get really angry with God and start beginning to question God. And, and, but that wasn't what David did. Oh, God, you're my God. I earnestly search for you. I'm going to find you in this terrible spot I'm in because I know you're in this spot. And I think that's what we could all take advice from David this morning is to find God in this situation. If you've lost your job, if, you've, if you just feel isolated, and no matter, you know, the whole thing, the whole atmosphere of everything, the insanity of everything we're going through, we can find God in this. Because God is in this somewhere. And He's meant, and He's going to be found if you'll, if you'll begin to set your heart that way, to search for Him. This, that's the, a, a key of David. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. So he even had, he even had a, a situation where there was no, no water there. there was, so on top of everything else, just basic necessities were being challenged. You know, our toilet paper challenge is, is challenged just, but we ain't, we've not seen a challenge where you didn't even have water, where you're having to look for water to survive. I mean, this is pretty amazing. And that was, that was David's present condition and situation when he wrote this psalm where he began to de declare it. Um, so I want to really ask you this, this morning, uh, you know, when I was in that situation years ago, the, the thing that came, kept coming to me is, well, what is my relationship to the Lord now? After all I've been through, the good, the bad, and now I find myself in this terrible situation, I begin to really look at, look at my heart and look at my relationship with the Lord. It's really a great time. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to really take some time to really ask yourself these questions about your, your relationship with the Lord. Obviously, the Lord's relationship with you is, is amazing. He loves you. He embraces you. He's with you, no matter what, no matter how you feel. But your relationship towards Him, you need to really think about that and wonder about that and ask, ask the Holy Spirit to help you because I think it's a time where we declare, God, you're my God. You're my God. My life may be falling apart. Things may not be going the way I want. Everything may be disrupted, but you're still my God. And I'm going to seek you. I'm going to really go after you. And David says, my soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. There was a des desire in David. And God can put that desire in you. I believe that desire is in you, actually. I believe we all carry that desire because we carry the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, the Bible says, He desires, He earnestly desires. And so I really encourage you, the first thing that I get out of this key of David is just desire for the Lord Himself and desire to strengthen my communion with Him and strengthen my relationship with Him. You know, there's, in, in the natural, you know, in, in a marriage, there's times where you feel like you kind of drift apart with one another. Years ago, uh, Becky broke her shoulder, and and really, and that was a, it was a terrible time. She couldn't even she couldn't even bathe herself, and I had to I literally had to help her bathe herself because because of her shoulder, and she couldn't drive a car. I mean, so it she couldn't cook. I mean, it was crazy, man. But 
one of the beautiful things that came out of that is it really helped Becky and I get closer to each other. We had kind of not drifted way apart, but, but we were both going our own directions in life, busy doing good, awesome stuff, doing ministry, doing this, taking care of grandkids, doing all these wonderful things. But our garden between each other, we had sort of neglected. And it was a really an amazing time that we were able to reconnect with each other in a really beautiful way and help and it's really helped our marriage since that time and so i think this is a time like for us the same thing with with the lord the same thing with the our communion with the holy spirit i really encourage you that the next thing uh david said in verse two is i have seen you in the sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory i have seen he what david was doing he was reflecting back on the past. He was reflecting back on those times where he was in the midst of revival, when he was in the midst of God moving, when he was seeing the power of God and the blessings of God were flowing in his life. He began to reflect back on those times and he began to tap in to those times and what those times meant to him. I think that's a very, very important, powerful tool uh, David reveals this. This is a great truth. Remembering leads to rejoicing. Remembering, the, the I feel in the in the church sometimes remembering gets a bad rap. It shouldn't because the the word remember or or some form of remember shows up about seven hundred times in the Bible. 700 times. God would, if you go through and study the, the, the scriptures, the whole of scripture, you'll say many times God would go back and recount things he did. Why was he doing that? Because there's a power in the tapping in to something God has already done in your life. There's a, you can bring the power of that thing, whatever that was, into your present situation. And so one of the greatest one of the absolute greatest uh, testimonies of that is what Jesus said in Luke twenty two nineteen. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this. That's what the whole the whole uh, thing about the Lord's table, the communion that we share. There's so much power in that. What we're doing. Listen, this is why we're encouraging communion with people. What you're doing when you do communion, you have the opportunity. You're remembering the cross. You're remembering your salvation. You're remembering the power of God that came at the cross. You're remembering the covenant that God has made with us through Jesus Christ. And you can tap, literally tap back into the power of that thing. You can tap into the power of the covenant of God. You can tap into the healing power that Jesus released by His stripes. We are healed. You can tap into that as you do communion, as you remember. As you remember. I find myself many, actually this week, one of my greatest memories was my salvation experience because I had a very powerful salvation experience. I experienced the power of God come on me in an incredible way. And I began to remember that and, be, and, and, and it stirred thankfulness in me that God saved me 40-something years ago. He said He came and visited me 
I was not even looking for God. In fact, I was looking to live my life the way I wanted to live, and I was doing exactly what I wanted to do, and I was doing stuff that really wasn't good. We would call it sin, bad sin, at that moment when God visited me. And I'm so thankful that God did that for me. I'm so thankful that He saved me and, and, and saved my life and, and, and re- completely redirected my life. And see, when I think about that, it brings praise to my heart. It brings passion to my heart that God was good to me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I wasn't looking for God. He was good to me. And I am so thankful for that. So I want to encourage you today to begin to remember Remember those times when God was touching you by the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe there was a time on the floor back when God was really moving powerful in that way, where, where God was just doing mighty things and healing you on the inside. Just I, I, Honestly, I, I, I'm thinking about through my weeks, through my days. I remember a lot of those things. I, look, I don't look back on them, oh, I wish I could go back there. Oh, oh, I wish I could do that again. I'm remembering it from a perspective that I'm tapping into the power of that. When I feel broken and, and when I feel tempted, I can always tap in. No, God has delivered me from that. I can remember the moment when He fixed that in me. I can remember the moment when He broke that orphan thinking off in me. I'll go back there and say, no. No, devil, you're not going to get me because I was freed from that 15 years ago. You can't put that back on me. And so there is a great power. It's an unused power. It's an unused power. There's a story in the, in the Gospels where Jesus was out in the boat, and he began to talk to his disciples. Did you bring any bread with you? Uh, and they've been, they were thinking he was talking. Really what he wanted to speak to them is about... Uh, his miracles about this whole thing about remembering. And this is what he said to you. Don't you see? Don't you see what I'm, what I'm doing? If you don't see, can you hear what I'm doing? And finally he says, well, can you remember what I've done? Can't you remember I, I fed 5,000? We ain't got to worry about bread, guys. I just fed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread. And you see, that's what remembering does for us. And so that's what David was doing. He was saying... And I remember the time I was in the sanctuary and your glory came and your power was there. Yet here I am in this parched land. But that gives me hope. That gives me the ability to know that I'm going to get through this because I know God's real. I'll tell you something. Uh, is I believe we have a generation that needs an encounter with God. I really believe that. I grew up in a non-Christian world. I didn't have that, but I did when I got saved. I began to have my own personal encounter with God. We have a lot of people out there today that grew up in Christian homes, Christian families, the church, but for some reason, they didn't catch it. They're going to have their own encounter with the Lord. I believe God's going to move, and I believe we're going to see a generation of younger men, women. They're going to get their own encounter. They're going to, have, they're going to be like David. They're going to experience the power and glory of God for themselves. And I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to look at us and say, Oh, finally I understand what you were talking about. All these years, I grew up in the church. I grew up doing music. I grew up, uh, you know, helping set up the chairs and tables. But they don't, somehow they've missed this encounter. 
God's going to give that generation an encounter, and we're going to see that's going to be a very powerful. I want to declare, I believe, you know, the millennial generation is always put down by the church. They've got some issues, but honestly, I believe they're going to wind up being one of the more powerful generations. Why? Because God is going to visit them and give them their encounter. He's going to give them their move. And they're going to take that move, and it is going to be an amazing move. I can't wait. I can't wait. I want to be with them. I just want to, you know, I want to be with them to be just hang out with them. And so I want to declare that this morning. I want us to stop speaking negative over that generation. And I want us to begin to speak the truth and speak the life of God over them. Because I believe God has amazing things for them. Ooh, Lord help. The last thing David said uh, speaks about the future. It's in uh, uh, verse 3. It says, uh, of course, there's more to the psalm, but these are the only three verses I want to address. He says this, Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. Listen to this, verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Now David's talking about his future. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he here's what I was getting. We're gonna go into some hard times. We're gonna go into some difficulties, but we're gonna go through them. I'm not gonna stay here. This is not the end of my life. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to pray. Pray. I've got a life in front of me. I've got hope in front of me. God's going to do something, and it's going to cause me to rise up in prayer. So we have a future. We have a hope. It's not going to stay the same. It's, things will shift. Get the good out of this time. So I wanted to end. Um, hey, I'm doing great here. You know, uh, I've been known to be a 45-minute preacher. This has forced me to become a shorter preacher. Uh, not shorter in statue, <laughs> you know, shorter in length. And I'm trying to do this. It's been hard on me. I do miss you being in here. Uh, so I found this hymn, okay? And the, and the reason I found it is um, I was looking up the word, you know, I was studying Jesus' wilderness, and I saw a thing that said a wilderness hymn. It is literally a hymn that was written in the 1600s called A Wilderness Hymn. And what the hymn was for, you know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of Christian uh, denominations, streams, celebrate something called Lent. I don't know, you know, that's not something we've never celebrated ourselves. It's an awesome thing, really. What it is uh, a few weeks before Easter is people go back and celebrate, uh, they fast, they pray, they reflect. That's what Lent's all about, the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness. That's what they're celebrating that time. They're going through that time, and it takes more than 40 days for them to do it because every Sunday is a celebration day, so they don't count the Sunday. So it's a 40-something days they go through this, this season of Lent, and then it you know, comes to the end on resurrection. Well, this hymn was actually written... Uh, for that time, let me just read uh, some the hymn to you. Again, this is old language, so you kind of had to get it. It says, "Wilderness gifts us gifts us a holy disruption." That's what the wilderness is. It's a gift. I believe the person who wrote this understood that. He understood that in these times of disruption, there's a gift that God wants us to have. 
For Jesus, it was the power of God. It was the glorious power of God to really rest on him and so he could do what he was called. That was a gift. I think we can have that same gift. Listen to this. Driven by the Spirit to wander, W-A-N-D-E-R, in waiting. Here we are tempted by evil's corruption. I don't know about you. I don't really know about you, but I'll tell you what, since all this stuff's happened, I have felt temptation. I have felt temptation to fear. I have felt temptation to be short. I have felt temptation to be ugly. There's a temptation. There really is. That's, that's what's happening in the atmosphere. It's charged with demonic activity, like it was charged with demonic activity with David and Jesus. Here we are, tempted by evil's corruption, trusting in God to continue creating. Isn't that beautiful? We're trusting in God to continue to be the creator, to, to speak to things, to give us creative thoughts, give us creative ideas, give us a creative wineskin, give us new ways of doing things. Help us look beyond where we've looked before. Help us to preach into cameras and not whine and complain about it and learn how to preach that way. Let's be creative. Let's be different. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to teach us something new. Let's do that. I mean, as, as much as you may not want to. I don't want to preach into a camera. I'd rather preach into lovely faces and hear your lovely thoughts. But I'll tell you what, we need to become creative. And God is a creator and he hasn't stopped being a creator. It goes on. It says, blessed discomfort renews all our focus. Blessed discomfort renews all our focus. What, that's what is focus. What are you focusing on? This time can help you get your focus, get a right focus. Dares us, listen, dares us to plow through the den of distraction. Wow, it's like this guy wrote this hymn, was writing it for us today in our set. To plow through the den of the, all the distractions of the world, all the distractions of going to the grocery store, the distractions of people getting sick, the distractions of media, distractions of this is abounding. And, and so we're being dared to plow through that, to have a focus, and our focus in the right place. Then in God's time we shall bloom like the crocus. Like the crocus, which is, from my understanding, is a beautiful flower. My mama loved crocuses. She's always talking about crocuses. I don't really know what they look like, but she was a flower person. Little purple flower, crocuses. And we're going to bloom like that. We're gonna, in fact, we're going to shine, and we're going to have this aroma of Christ that's going to come forth. Rooted in gardens of grace-guided action. <laughs> I mean, that's just amazing. That's what God wants to do is root us in this garden of grace-guided action. Sacred and dangerous, wild, and, wild, wide, and wondrous. Wilderness trains us for Christ's resurrection. Isn't that beautiful? What seems so scarce is for God truly boundless. What seems so scarce, what we lack, what we don't have, for God is boundless. God's, yeah. It's just, just amazing. Nothing so harsh to escape God's afflict, affection. In other words, we can't escape His affection, His love, His care. Woo. Come, you people, the time's now for learning. That's just a cry of the Holy Spirit. It's time's now to learn something new. Time's now to, to become something new. Then it says, Lent is the journey of Jesus' temptation. Wilderness brings with it, with its truth and discerning. 
then at the tomb we will find our salvation. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful hymn? I want to end by just praying for you and asking the Holy Spirit to do for you what he so desires to do for you. And I want you to know you're loved. I'll tell you this. One thing I've, I've found with, with many people, uh, especially people who get caught in temptation, and I'm talking to some people, they get caught in temptation and they give into it and they sin and they feel like they can't get out of it. I think we all could say, I've been there. And you, you kind of get tired of telling God you're sorry, you know, and you feel like God's angry, you feel like God's separate. But really the truth is what I've learned personally is when I'm in that place, the person I'm really mad at is me. That's how I feel. I'm just mad at me. Why have I let God down? Why have I failed God? Well, I want to tell you something. You have not let God down. You may have failed, but you're not a failure. So if you're that person today, and I believe I'm talking to some people, if you're that person, God wants you to know the blood of Jesus satisfies Him. And that He loves you and you belong to Him. That's what He wants you to know. So I want you to receive that. And I want you to receive that, that you've been placed on this earth for this time. God has equipped you, God has enabled you, God is with you. So, Father, I just pray for every person who will hear this, who is hearing this. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to do in us the impossible. Do what only you can do. Lord, create something new in us. I love what David said, creating me a clean heart. Oh, God. That, Lord, if you can create a clean heart in a human being, you can create thinking. You can create new ways of doing things. Father, I ask you to do that today. I ask you for that creative power of God to begin to flow in this moment of holy disruption. I pray we begin to get creative thoughts. I pray we begin to get a creative ways of making money. I pray we get creative ways of preaching, of, of sharing the gospel, of loving Lord, I ask you for that. I pray you'd release in science creative thoughts to solve this problem, Lord. Creative solutions, creative medicines. Lord, we just call it out today that you're the creator. You spoke into existence. I pray for people's hearts that they would feel that creator touching their hearts today, Lord. They would feel the creator on their hearts, cleansing their hearts of all this foolishness that's gotten on them. And you'd break things off in people today. Break the lies of the devil off in people today, Lord. Lord, I am declaring that you're good. You're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. And you're going to overcome, Lord. You're going to cause us to be the overcomers. Because you have overcome yourself, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, today. I bless our friends. I pray for healing. Amen, Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask Mr. Luis Sosa to come out here and, and bring us to a closure. Thanks, Bob. So I just, I just have this in my heart. Um, I'm going to let um, Erica to tr translate what I'm going to say, but I really felt strong <clears throat> what Byron was sharing on the 40 days. I feel like some people are going to experience some resurrection. I really do. Easter is coming. And I just want to encourage you to take this week to really focus on praising the Lord, to really focus on, on His face. Maybe not asking so much about things, but maybe worshiping Him or remember what He's done for you. And I really feel that the 40 days is key, that something is going to shift in the spirit 
spiritual world. You might not see it right away physically. You might not see it the next week. But something is going to shift for a lot of people. God is going to open new doors. You might have lost your job and you don't know what to do. But I want to tell you, have faith. Have faith. Do something opposite. If you're lacking, maybe the Lord will put something in your heart. Maybe go and give. Do the opposite of fear. Act in faith. I want to encourage you because hope, faith, and the greatest of all is love. And if you are encouraged by the power of God, by the love of God, something is going to shift. And I want to share this testimony with you. Somebody who has a business this week was suffering. He didn't know how he was going to pay his employees or his bills. And his wife told this person, go and ask the Lord. He's going to show you what to do. And God gave him an idea. And then one day he made all the money that he needed to pay his employees to cover his bills and more. So I just want to release this word of faith over you. If you're sick, if you're feeling like, oh God, I got the coronavirus signals in my body. You get up and begin to rebuke that. You have authority in the name of Jesus. You can speak to the impossible. You can speak to even death because Christ lives in you. So I want to encourage you today. I don't know. I just feel this let that word. Something is going to begin to resurrect in your life. Dreams that were dead. God is going to breathe on them. And in the nations, God was giving me a heart this morning when I, we were praising. I felt God was calling Italy back to himself. I heard the, the heart of God crying out for Italy. Saying, oh, eco mio. Oh, libertad para ti. Dios wants to release his power over Italy. We're going to see the Holy Spirit sweep over Italy and France and Spain. And they're going to experience a move of God like we never seen before. I want to prophesy, I want to decree, and I want to declare what our panacea, Jesus Christ, has done for me and you. Not out of fear, but out of faith. So let's pray that, let's declare that, let's talk to each other and encourage each other this week. Because God is about to do something amazing. God bless you, we miss you, we love you. You know we're praying for you. Amen.